Hello, everyone. I am Joshua Friedman, news editor for Rappaport. And I am very excited to have a special guest with us on the Rappaport Diamond podcast. Uh, Benny Lander is an inventor and entrepreneur known as the father of digital printing. Based here in Israel, he holds 800 patents and founded digital printing company Indigo in 1977, selling it 20 years ago to HP Hewlett-Packard for more than $800 million. He now heads a number of businesses, including Lander Labs, an innovation and incubation center in the Israeli city of Rehovot. So what's this got to do with diamonds? Well, in 2016, Benny Lander founded Lucix, a producer of lab-grown diamonds also headquartered here in Israel. And whenever I speak to people about this sector, they mention Lucix as one of the leading growers of consistently high color and high clarity synthetic diamonds using the CVD or chemical vapor deposition method. This essentially involves taking a diamond seed, putting it in a vacuum chamber and pumping in gases that break down into carbon atoms that then accumulate on the diamond seed and form a man-made diamond. And um, I hope I've got that explanation correct. And I was actually at the factory earlier this week to see the machine to learn about your expansion plans. Thanks for letting me see your, your factory and, uh, and thanks for joining us on the podcast, Benny. A pleasure, Joshua. Pleasure to meet you. I hope you enjoyed your visit. Did you? Uh, very much, very much. I learned a lot from it and it was uh, a very interesting visit. Um, in fact, some of the things I found out uh, during that visit was really the, the history of, of Lucix. Um, I understand that the idea of launching a lab-grown diamond venture came about because of an energy project that your group was working on. Is that correct? How did that happen? Yes. Well, uh, Landa Labs is a, uh, a research and innovation center. Uh, we have um, 150 scientists working in various material science fields, uh, primarily nanotechnology. Uh, one of these projects was in uh, the thermal energy conversion and energy process that uses low temperature heat to generate electricity. Um, intended to try to save the planet. <laughs> so that was the project. And in the course of developing that project, we developed electrodes that were diamond coated because diamonds inert. And so if you dope it properly, you can get, make it electrically conductive. And so we had these uh, diamond electrodes that we were developing for years. And then the head of the project came to me and he said, you know, Benny, we're so good at growing diamond. I think we could grow it in three dimensions single crystal diamond of very high quality. So we evolved our process into this three-dimensional growing process that gave us a, a lot of control and decided that we, we, we felt that we could then produce gem quality diamonds that were different from um, uh, the technologies that others use for growing diamonds. And that's why we started Lucix and it indeed has proven itself. We have fabulous a team of scientists, uh, chemists, physicists, mathematicians, theoreticians. We do a lot of theoretical modeling. And uh, there's, uh, in the end, there's great agreement between what we actually get uh, in, from the reactors and from the models that predicted what we would get from the reactors. So that's a, a tremendous, uh, a good sign. And I think today, Lucix has the reputation of producing the industry's highest quality diamonds. So that, that's, that was our goal. Now our goal is to expand to, uh, to substantial industrial capacity. Right. Um, I wanted to ask about that, uh, that expansion later on. But first, I, I know that you know, your group is best known for digital printing. So how, what are, the similar, are there similarities between 
growing a lab-grown diamond and, and digital printing? Yes. Uh, the commonality is, is the material science. Um, our digital printing is based on nanopigments. Nanopigments have very different properties from other crystals. Nanopigments are also crystals. Of course, they're, uh, they're tens of nanometers in size, but they're also crystals. And we know how to create those crystals to be perfectly transparent, to have zero scatter. To, uh, that is, when the light strikes the image, uh, they either absorb the, the color or they transmit it, but they don't scatter. So this high-purity nanocrystals is part of the science that we develop in Lando Labs. So it's no, uh, I would say it's not surprising that developing the world's highest purity, highest quality lab-grown diamonds uh, would not be another objective of Lando Labs. So that is the that is the commonality, and in fact, in all the projects that we have and the technologies that we develop in Landa Labs, we develop technologies for energy, for um, solar energy specifically, for example, for cosmetics uh, such as hair color and and anti-aging creams and the like, uh, 3D printing. Um, all of these have the one thing in common, which is the material science. That's the thing. Right. That's interesting, and and focusing on the lab grown sector. I mean, you, you came in at a, you came in at a very, it seems a very good time retrospectively. The, the sector has really risen to prominence uh, in the last few years, more than many people expected. Um, have, have you been surprised by how fast the sector has grown? Uh, tremendously surprised. Uh, in fact, especially I, the, for me, the big revelation was during the, the depths of the COVID crisis in mid 2020 when you would expect all the economic uncertainties and people not knowing if they have jobs or not, you would have expected the last thing in the world people would want to do is buy diamonds. But what can you do? Even in, in the worst pandemics, people fall in love. And when you fall in love, you want to give the love of your life a diamond. And, uh, but you really are much more sensitive to uh, the economics. And so um, if you can get a larger, higher quality diamond for the same price, or you can get a diamond of the same quality and same size and also uh, buy your, 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 the love of your life an iPad. Um, so it's very compelling. And so lab-grown diamonds, because they, they're identical to mined diamonds, uh, but yet are lower in cost, uh, lower in price, uh, are extremely attractive. Apart from that, coincidentally, also uh, the awareness of the the climate crisis, of global warming, of the importance of taking care of our planet, especially amongst millennials, is really taking uh, uh, center stage now. And lab-grown diamonds are so so environmentally uh, greener than than their mined equivalents that especially millennials find them extremely compelling. Right. So you mentioned two important points there. I'll start with the second one, actually, which is uh, the environmental, supposed environmental benefits of, of lab-grown diamonds relative to mined diamonds. Now, that's obviously a very controversial question. It sounds like you believe that lab-grown diamonds, or at least yours, are more environmentally friendly than natural diamonds. Oh, absolutely. Um, on what basis do you say? What evidence do you have for that? Well, uh, first of all, it's not just us saying it. Uh, Lucix is uh, accredited by uh, the SCS as a sustainable producer of lab-grown diamonds. Uh, 
Uh, what that means is that we've been able to evidence that we have a very small carbon footprint compared to mine diamonds, that uh, we don't have the environmental, um, I would say, uh, stigma uh, that goes with mine diamonds. And there are many stigmas that go with mine diamonds, uh, many of them social, humanitarian, et cetera. But uh, certainly the environmental ones is a, uh, is a, uh, a major one. Uh, all you have to do is, is look at a photograph of a, of a diamond mine. You see this gigantic scar on the surface of the earth that, uh, that, that, that is so deep and so vast that it takes um, half a day for a truck to get from the top to the bottom and then back up again. And you have to crush many tons of rock just to, to extract one carat diamond. So it's very energy intensive, environmentally objectionable, and the carbon footprint is enormous compared to ours. And so, right. yes, it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a fact that uh, certainly in our case, I can't speak for all producers, in our case, mm. um, uh, we are a much more sustainable producer than any uh, mine. Right. Most of our, of our listeners will be in the natural diamond industry. And um, the way they would respond to that would be by saying, well, it's true that lab-grown diamonds are not digging holes in the ground. But studies have shown or have indicated that their energy use, their electricity use is still higher than that of the natural diamond industry. How do you view that claim? uh, Lab-grown diamonds are energy intensive. However, the total carbon footprint for the whole process of extracting the diamonds, total carbon footprint in our case is about half of mine diamonds. So uh, uh, it doesn't matter to the planet. Uh, whether it's uh, just energy um, or, or, or whether it's um, in, in the entire process of extracting the diamond. Indeed, the explosives used in the, in, in the mining, uh, the total amount of energy there is not calculated in electricity, but the total carbon footprint is substantially higher. And that's what makes uh, lab-grown diamonds more, more, more attractive. And fortunately now, there's third-party objective institutes that can certify this sustainability. And we are one of the first to get that certification. And we're very proud of it. Right. Um, so I think it's probably fair to, to say that you're an outsider in the, in the diamond industry um, or a newcomer. What's your impression of, of the global diamond industry? First of all, I love it. I think it's a fabulous, exciting industry. I'd never been to a diamond trade show until I went to a JCK. And um, it was an entirely new experience for me. Um, we're accustomed to in different industries. It's very, very different to actually see, first of all, this camaraderie in the industry. Uh, there, this, is, you're, you're, this industry is really interesting in that uh, your competitors are not your enemies. It's, uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a social interaction and a trust in the diamond industry that is uh, hard to compare to other industries that, that we know, such as consumer electronics, where uh, it's vicious. And, and, uh, but here, uh, everyone are, uh, seems to be friends. Um, the fact that there's a tradition of, of closing deals just with a handshake. I mean, there's a lot of things in this industry that are beautiful uh, from, a, 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 say, a social point of view. And it's exciting. There's nothing more exciting than the brilliance and beauty of these diamonds. And, um, you know, if we were, uh, growing um, semiconductors, 
Well, it's fabulous science, but what's exciting about a computer chip? Nothing. <laughs> when your machine produces these stunning, breathtaking, high-quality, pure diamonds, uh, that's exciting. Right, right, it is. That was presumably the, that JCK show that you went to. That was two years ago, I guess, in, in 2019, before the pandemic. Correct. Right, because I, I think... It was late, maybe later that year or, or the, the very end of 2019, you gave a, an interview at a conference in Israel um, in which you essentially said that the traditional Israeli diamond industry was dying and that this was an opportunity. You, you, you had an opportunity to revive it um, through growing lab-grown diamonds. And the boss here in Israel, if I recall correctly, didn't take so kindly to that. Um, so what's, what's your impression of how the Israeli diamond industry has reacted in general to, to what you're doing here? Well, when you talk about the Israeli diamond industry, you have to divide it into two. I was referring to the diamond polishing industry, which once was flourishing in Israel and uh, for the most part uh, no longer exists. Of course, the commerce in diamonds, uh, the, the uh, diamond exchange, the commerce in diamonds continues to be uh, a, a very important uh, industry in Israel, and uh, the level of activity is, is very high. Um, but there's two aspects to it. I was referring to bringing back to Israel the production of diamonds, the right. the, uh, the physical production of diamonds, uh, not polishing specifically, but now growing. And we believe that we are going to become uh, certainly one of the leading growers of lab-grown diamonds. I'm very pleased that uh, that 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 Israel based, um, but but apart from that, um, I think the reaction of the Israel Diamond Exchange was an, a natural reaction, a normal reaction, of an industry that is trying to survive, that wants to defend itself against incumbents, and um, but if anything that the past decades have, have taught us, it's that. You can't stop technology. And uh, there's a relentless technological movement that will replace the old way of doing things. And just as electric vehicles will replace internal combustion engines and uh, electronics has replaced mechanical uh, phonographs and physical mining of diamonds uh, will be a thing of the past when uh, the same quality, the same identical characteristics can be produced in an environmentally acceptable manner without any social stigmas and at a lower cost than the old way of doing it, uh, it's inevitable it will ultimately be replaced. And so it's natural that uh, uh, at the early stages of these transformations that the, uh, uh, the incumbents are, are reluctant to accept uh, the change. Right. Interesting. I mean, the most common mainstream view in the, in the natural industry is that in the long, the medium long term, the lab grown will take the more, the, the lower end fashion jewelry um, segment of the market. But natural diamonds will still be the, the stone of choice for engagement rings, uh, anniversary gifts, and that type of more high end um, material. Uh, and and this um, this is certainly the the line that that we hear from people like De Beers. Yes. Um, where, how do you view that? I mean, it sounds like you don't agree with that. It sounds like you you believe that the lab grown will essentially replace natural diamonds. 
Well, I think you characterized it correctly. That is the line promoted by De Beers, of course, because De Beers has a huge vested interest in mine diamonds and has always done and will continue to try and defend that um, the value of its uh, proposition. Um, but I think uh, that notion that you can somehow characterize diamonds as um, being of value only if they're mine. Uh, the Beers proposition of uh, if it's a, a wedding, an anniversary, a, an important occasion, then you, then you, then you give a, a mine diamonds. And if it's a, a light occasion, a, a something that's not, then you give a lab-grown diamond. That, that is a, an artificial differentiation that, that fortunately the market is not seeing. Uh, the right. customers don't buy that. Uh, right. and, and we see, in fact, that De Beers entered the lab-grown diamond space was wonderful for the lab-grown diamond market because finally it gave a seal of approval. Even De Beers that for decades said they would never touch, they, they mischaracterized lab-grown diamonds as being a synthetic or artificial or even, even, even the word fake. Well, fortunately, the uh, Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, stepped in and said, hey, you can't do that. A diamond is a diamond, whether it's grown below the surface of the earth or above the surface of the earth, and it is unlawful to mischaracterize a diamond. You cannot call it synthetic. You cannot call it fake. You cannot call it artificial because it is identical to the mind version. And what we see is the young generation, all things considered, the social stigma, the environmental stigma, the higher cost, uh, the younger generation appears to prefer lab-grown diamonds, which is completely understandable. So I think that um, that narrative will fade. Right, but uh, I, I think the impression of the in, the industry, and I think there's a lot there's a lot of basis to this, is that consumers do do still have a lot of demand for a an authentic product that that came from the earth in the way that people know that diamonds came from the earth, and particularly with millennial consumers having an increased focus on wanting authentic experiences and authentic products, that demand for natural diamonds will still endure. I think the, the demand for natural diamonds will endure primarily with the older generation. Uh, what we're seeing in the market is not what you're describing, that uh, when, uh, younger people do not see a diamond which is identical to a mine diamond as being not authentic. It is an authentic beautiful, pure product and uh, of equal desirability at least. And for, as I said, for, for most uh, young people today, because of their environmental concerns, uh, more desirable than, than, than a mine diamond. Right. Uh, but but there, is the, there isn't an industry that hasn't, uh, that hasn't fought back when it's uh, about to be, when it's challenged by, new, by innovation and by new technology. Mm-hmm. And it's understandable that the that the incumbent industry is is uh, continues to try to I would say diminish the significance or the importance or the uh, equal value of mine diamonds of uh, lab grown diamonds, and uh, it's a natural thing, but it will pass. One of the issues that works in parallel and sort of feeds into this debate is the question of whether there should be any sort of premium on lab-grown diamonds that were grown in one go in a, re- in a reactor without any need for further color treatment. Um, yes. Now, my understanding is that 
the loose producers what's what's called as grown diamonds, which means that they're they're marketable without any post growth treatment. That's correct. Um, but the other there's also a strong argument that it's a manufactured product. What difference does it make whether it's manufactured in one process or in two processes? So how do you view this issue? Um, we don't have to deal with it. Uh, we are certified as an as-grown diamond, which means there's only a single step in growing diamonds. By the way, um, mine diamonds are also processed in a process called uh, HTHP, high-pressure, high high-temperature processing, which enhances their color. And um, diamonds, which are not uh, so, so even uh, mine diamonds are technologically post-processed to improve their color. So, does the technological post-processing does that matter to the end consumer? I don't know. That we are able to produce diamonds in a single step without post-processing, to some, uh, there's value in that. That mm. they're as grown diamonds. I mean, there's, there's a significant, and I believe always has been a significant premium on untreated natural diamonds for the very reason that that means that they came out of the earth like this. So I, th- I think that's why, why people see, see there as being a, a major difference between the notion of an untreated lab-grown and an untreated natural diamond, because we're talking yeah. about one thing that came from the ground and one thing that essentially went through a factory and it just went through a second factory process. But I think it's a, it's a matter of, Positioning. The fact is that no mine diamond can be on the ring of a finger without being technologically processed. I mean, the whole cutting and polishing process, they're cut with lasers. The cuts themselves are predicted by computers. They're analyzed to optimize the yield. Uh, There's a lot of technology in the processing of, of a mine diamond as well. And so this differentiation that exists for mine, for mine diamonds, whether they've been post-processed or not, I think also affects lab-grown diamonds, and people do seem to, uh, to at least in our experience, uh, to be willing to pay a premium for lab-grown diamonds that have not been post-processed. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons that Rue6 has, uh, has, uh, fetches premium prices for its, its diamonds, um, because right. of the quality and, right. uh, and, and the fact that it's not post-processed. Right. So I'm, I'm, I said before I wanted to ask about your, your expansion plans. Um, I, I understand you're planning a new facility in the Israeli city of Modi'in, yes. in addition to the current one in, in Rehovot. Yes. And the new one is going to be three times bigger. So what, what drove you to do that? Well, there's, there's huge demand, tremendous demand for our product. We simply uh, want to meet that demand. So we're investing heavily. Um, our plants are, I would say, the scientifically most advanced uh, in existence. Um, totally computer-operated uh, that's one of the reasons we can get such high yields and very, very consistent quality. And so we're ready. So we're investing massively now in expanding our capacity because we see the demand um, is huge and uh, won't be met in the, in the foreseeable. Right. What sort of volumes are you, are you producing at the moment? I mean, and, and, and how, how much do you expect that to expand with the new place, with the new factory? That's something that we don't talk about, uh, the, uh, how many carrots we produce uh, a year. Uh, but um, uh, as you indicated, this new plant will be much bigger. We will substantially increase our, talking about um, several factors of uh, capacity. Right. How, uh, this may be something that you can't talk about, but how profitable is the business for you 
at the moment. Are you, are you able to turn a profit on producing lab-grown rough? Yes, we're able to be profitable and uh, we're satisfactorily profitable. But I think that the most important thing about lab-grown diamonds is that they enable the retailers to be more profitable than they can be with mine, with the mine diamond equivalents. And that's one of the reasons that the retailers are, are all now adopting uh, lab-grown diamonds. There's demand, they can meet the demand, and they can um, make a lot more money doing so with lab-grown with mine diamonds. Right. I know there are, there are many uses for, for synthetic diamonds. At, at the lowest end, there's industrial diamonds, diamond dust, and then there's obviously gem, gem quality diamonds. Um, and then at the high end, there's also high-tech applications used for use in the semiconductor industry. Is that something that you've got your eye on? Uh, the, the big differentiator between Loose 6 and our competitors is, uh, is the science. Uh, we develop our technology entirely vertically. We developed our own reactors. We develop our own process. We produce our own reactors. Uh, a third of our people are in research and development in Lucix. And so we continue to be at the cutting edge of science. So that manifests itself in higher quality stones for the gem market. But it also means that we have the ability to produce high, very high purity diamonds, now for semiconductor applications. Uh, to use a diamond, the di- diamond can be the ideal semiconductors. You have to learn how to c- properly control it, to dope it, and to control its purity. Purity for semiconductor applications is much more demanding than for any other. And uh, so we believe we have the, the technology, we have the resources, we have the people to be able to make a, uh, a significant contribution to the use of diamond in the semiconductors. So definitely that's on our strategic horizon. Right. And um, is that more profitable than gem quality? Well, right now it doesn't exist. So it's hard to say. It'll depend, I suppose, on how rapidly the technology gets adopted and how rapidly it evolves. You, you must understand today there's virtually zero uh, use of diamond in the semiconductor industry. But, right. uh, and there, there are two applications for diamond, two main applications for diamonds and semiconductors. Uh, one is as a semiconductor itself to replace silicon or, uh, or the other uh, materials that are used uh, as semiconductors. Um, uh, and, but the second is uh, for heat dissipation. Uh, diamond is not only the hardest material known to man, it, is also, it also has the highest thermal conductivity. So it, it can be used to dissipate heat generated in hot spots in uh, transistors, in, in semiconductors. And therefore, diamond is very interesting, both for that application and as a semiconductors. That's very interesting. Thanks for explaining all of that to me. Um, I think, Benny, you've given our listeners a lot to think about with respect to the, the lab-grown diamond sector. And many of us are very keen to see how the industry will evolve. And Lucix will no doubt play a very important role in that development. Um, and I definitely look forward to hearing more about that new production center in, in the future and your other plans. Um, so, uh, Benny Lander, thank you very much for being a guest on our, on our podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Joshua. 